in the Pew Bible in front of you this morning. Begin a new series today, talking about the unexpected Christmas story. As we enter into our season of Advent, as we look forward to that day, Christmas morning, Christmas day, and as we now prepare ourselves for that day and look forward to that day. So as you just got settled, let me ask you to stand again as we read God's Word together out of respect, reverence, and awe for His Word. Let's read Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O Lord, your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierce into our souls and lay bare our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts that we might receive encouragement and correction, and grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's that time of year again. I'm not talking about Black Friday, or Cyber Monday, or the shopping season. I'm talking about the Christmas season, a season that we are familiar with because we experience it for a whole month or more every year. 
the same sounds, sights, smells, tastes come flooding into our lives again this time of year. For many of us, there are certain traditions, certain things that we do every year at this time. Those traditions provide a sense of security. They provide a a sense of comfort during these days. It's a time of year when we can be very busy going from one place, from here to there. But it uh, it can also be a time when many of us want to feel happy. We want to feel good. We want to feel close to others, to family and friends, to the ones we love. Do you expect this Christmas to be any different from the Christmases in your past? Or do you expect this Christmas to pretty much be the same as it was last year and the year before and the year before that? I wonder if we might say the same about the Christmas story. You've heard it all before. There's nothing new here, right? You are familiar with it. You've seen the same plastic figurines in front yards year after year. However, Christmas, when Christmas happened the very first time, it came suddenly. It came unexpectedly. For those a part of Christmas, it was not the same old Christmas story because they were experiencing it for the very first time. Yes, it is true that they were waiting for the Messiah to come, but they were not expecting the events to unfold the way that they did. They were not expecting God to use the people that He did in the Christmas story. The Christmas story is not a nice, sentimental story that should make us go, Aw, every December. If anything, the Christmas story is meant to jolt us awake from our slumber. It is meant to make us confront the God who works and who is active. It is meant to fill us with wonder and with amazement at what God has done in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to dwell among us. The Christmas story then is a very unexpected story, not only to those who experienced it for the very first time, but there is an unexpectedness to us as we read the account from God's Word. If you are bored by the Christmas story, then you do not comprehend the desperate state of the world and the hopeless state that sinners were in. And so we have to ask ourselves a question this morning. What is it that you expect God to do from the Christmas story? Do you expect God to do what you would do in the situation? Do you expect God God only to do what is possible in the situation? Or do you expect God to do things the way that He would do them? Do you expect God to do the impossible? I find oftentimes that our expectations of God are only what we think is possible, what I think can be done. But when we expect God to do only what is possible, we make the story more about us 
and less about God. We try to rewrite the story around us, what we think we need, what, what would make us feel good, what would make us happy, but what would never save us. The unexpectedness of the story is seen in that God does the impossible. God does what we thought could, what we think could never be done. But by God doing what we think is impossible, it awakens our mind to His awesomeness and His greatness. In the Christmas story, we have to let God be God. We do not get to make God into who we want Him to be or act how we want Him to act. It means that the Christmas story cannot be man-centered. It does not revolve around us. God has a greater plan in mind than a nice story that will give us a warm, fuzzy feeling in our gut. He has a plan to accomplish what we think is impossible and is completely unexpected because it shows that we cannot do what God can do. We cannot rescue ourselves. And so what do we learn from these verses this morning? What do we learn about ourselves and what do we learn about God from these verses this morning? Four things. Number one, we do not orchestrate the story. We do not orchestrate the story. God orchestrates it from beginning to end. There are certain events that have happened in the course of your life that you can remember where you were when you heard the news. Certain things that took place, and because those events were so sudden, because those events were so unexpected, because those announcements were so shocking, that you remember where you were, what you were doing, when that news came to you. And oftentimes, as we think about those events in our life, that have rocked our world, we're reminded we cannot control them. We cannot change the course of history. We cannot change those announcements. Maybe we, we would have liked to with some of them. Maybe we would have liked to have changed them, but we could not, we cannot. And it's with this announcement that comes from Gabriel to Mary that reminds us of the one who is in control, the one who is behind this announcement. It says, Gabriel was sent from God. Gabriel did not come to Mary on his own authority, of his own accord, with his own prerogative. Gabriel did not come to tell Mary because, after all, someone had to tell her what was going to happen, right? God is the one who thought up the plan, who set the plan in stone, who initiated the plan and brought the plan to completion. God is over the plan. He is in control of the plan. But let me ask us this morning, is this what we really want? Do we want God to be in control? Do we want God to be the orchestrator of this story? Or would we rather try to orchestrate the story? We would try to add something to it. We think something's missing. Would we ever try to use the story to say what we want it to say rather than what God wants it to say? Much like our world has done, 
They've created a narrative for the Christmas story, making it be about whatever they want it to be about. Would we ever be guilty of wanting to make the Christmas story about what we want it to be about rather than about what God says it's about? And would we see that He has put everything in its proper place and is doing everything in its proper time? Would we let the Christmas story be about Him so that He receives all of the glory? Here is why we might like to orchestrate the story when we really get down to it. We would like to orchestrate the story because then it would be an easier story to tell. If I made the story about me and what I wanted it to be about, it would be an easier story to tell you and it would be an easier story for people to accept. It would not be a story that is so messy. It would not be a, a story that was uncomfortable. Would, I would make it a story that is easier for people to believe. I mean, after all, can you believe this story? A virgin is going to conceive a child? Not only did it stretch the faith of Mary and Joseph, can you imagine the skepticism, the downright denial that other people might have towards Mary? I mean, come on. Mary, just tell the truth. We know how it happened. It's a story that stretches our belief, a story that is difficult. So difficult that it's only something that God could do. We would not make up a story like this. But God would orchestrate a story like this. And if God would so plan this story, it's a story that we can be confident in. It's a story that we can trust. It's a story that we can believe in because when everything is said and done, only God could think up a story so wonderful and so amazing. And we have to let God tell his story because he has orchestrated it from beginning to end. But God is not just some distant God out there who put everything into motion and then sat back and watched it unfold. No, God was active in this story. God himself is personally, imminently, closely involved in carrying out this story. And that brings us to our second point this morning. We are not the main actors in the story God is the main actor upon whom the action depends. We are not the main actors in the story. God is the main actor on whom the action depends. Every story has a main actor, a star, the one who gets all the attention, the one to whom all the accolade is given. Oftentimes, if you think about it, people want to be the main actor, they want to be the star. They want to receive the glory. They want the main role. This is where all the Christmas images and all of the nativity scenes fail us when we get to the Christmas story. We're familiar with Joseph, Mary, the Christ child, the Magi, the shepherds, the angels, even the star. We can depict all of those. We can see all of them. But what is fascinating is that we cannot 
depict the one who is the main actor because he is the almighty, the living God whom we cannot see. He is active. He is working out his plan. Not only does he orchestrate the story, he is the main actor in the story. It is completely an unexpected impossibility because we would expect the main action to be done by Mary or Joseph or baby Jesus or the shepherds or the magi. Those all have a part to play in the story, but they are not the main actor. They are not the ones upon whom the action of the story depends. The story depends upon the action of the Almighty God. God does not have to wait for Joseph to do something. God does not have to wait for Mary to act. He does not have to wait for the angels to make an announcement so that he can do something. God sends the angel Gabriel. Gabriel would not have come unless God had sent him. God was acting in his grace and his mercy, and he was showering that grace and that mercy upon Mary. That's what Gabriel says. The Lord is with you, O favored one. That's Mary. She has this grace that's given to her by God. That is God's action upon her life. She had received God's grace because God had chosen to give it to her. God also acted by being with Mary. Gabriel says, God is with you. He's close. He's near. God is with you to bring comfort and assurance and security, security to you, Mary, by his very presence. And that announcement was meant to drive out fear in Mary's life. Do not be afraid, Mary. God is acting not to destroy your life, not to bring judgment to your life but to bring blessing to your life, to bring joy to your life, and not just Mary to your life, but blessing and joy to the whole entire world. How many people today, if they would hear this announcement, how many young ladies, if they were to hear this announcement, we could even say young men, that's it, my life's over with. I'm enslaved now, I mean, here's nothing I can do about it, Right? Many people would think this is a burden, that God is somehow enslaving this young lady. But God is acting in such a way to bring blessing to her and to bring blessing to the world, to bring salvation to the whole world. He is going to bring into this world a king. Like his father David and of his kingdom there will be no end. And it will extend and grow forever and ever. And he will bring people into his kingdom. People who are sinners so that they can be reconciled to God. How great of an action God takes. And this is the picture that the whole Bible paints. God is an acting God. And so we should not expect anything less when we get to the Christmas story. And then we get to Mary's question. Completely legitimate question. Do you see what she says there? 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? 
Literally, literally, it says, how will this be since I have not known a man? It would appear that the news that Gabriel gave to Mary, she took this to mean that she would conceive without having ever known a man. And then there's that beautiful answer from Gabriel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What's the point? Man will not act to bring this about. The story is not dependent upon man's actions. God will do it. God in his power and in his action will cause this to happen. And guess what? God's going to do it without a man. God doesn't need man's help to place a child in Mary's womb. He does it all by himself. And this is important because God acting in this way completely changes the nature of this child who is born. Since this is an act of God, since there is no human father in place, this child will be called Holy, the Son of God. Why is Jesus Christ going to be holy and perfect because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, not by a sinful human father. Jesus was genuinely human. He was 100% man, 100% God. But the sinful, corrupt human nature was not passed on to him because God acted and God intervened. The Holy Spirit's actions break the pattern of the sinful nature being passed on to this child. So unlike others... He would be completely without sin. He will be the Son of God and live exactly how a Son of God should live. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, was the Son of God, but Adam failed. The nation of Israel was called the Son of God, but they failed. This Son would not fail. Fail. And that's the hope of this Advent season because it is a hope that is completely dependent upon God's actions and not our actions. If we learn anything from our actions, it's that we fail. We fall. We cannot be completely relied upon. We will mess things up by our action. But when God acts, He never fails. The Christmas story is an action story, but it's also a love story. God demonstrating his unfailing, steadfast love for us because his actions are done for us. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, for us. He causes Mary to conceive of the son who will be called Jesus so that we can know of his great love for us. And the greatness of his love is shown in that Jesus comes To save those who are his enemies. To save and rescue those who are sinners. Christ came to save and rescue and lavish God's love upon those who were running away from him. But God acted and he didn't need our help. The story depends upon him and him alone. Number three. We are not the determiners of what is possible in the story. God determines what is possible. We are not the determiners of what is possible in the story. God determines what is possible. I want us to try to imagine something this morning. I want you to try to imagine that you've never 
heard the Christmas story before. That this is the first time that you're hearing it from the Bible. And particularly in what we're looking at here, Gabriel's announcement to Mary, she is going to bear a child without ever having known a man. I wonder, if you were to hear that story for the very first time, what might be your response? That's impossible. But that's the whole point. The whole point is that it's impossible. We have to see the shockingness in this story. It's unexpected. We have to say that when we read the story and we say it's impossible that, yes, you're getting it. It is impossible. And that we come to realize we don't determine what is possible. We do not get to say what God is able to do or not to do. So where are we confronted with what appears to be impossible in this text? Let me say that again. Where are we confronted with what appears to be impossible in this text? It appears impossible for a virgin to conceive a child. Remember, Mary understands Gabriel's announcement to mean that she will conceive a child in her womb without having known a man. That's an impossibility. That's what we have a hard time wrapping our head around this morning. How does a virgin become Pregnant. Simple answer in our minds is, she doesn't. Because if she does, she's no longer a virgin. There's no way that that can happen. It's impossible. And so we could try to explain it away. We could try to give some understanding that would make sense in our minds, some way that we could explain it scientifically, how it happened. Even Mary could have been tempted to do this. She could have thought, well, I'm a virgin now, but in a a short period of time, I will consummate my marriage with Joseph, and then I'll bear a son. She could have thought that it would happen in a natural way. But this is not the way that it happened. What we think is impossible, God makes possible through the power of His Holy Spirit. It was a legitimate question by Mary to Gabriel. And so Gabriel answers with a legitimate answer. The Holy Spirit will be upon her. The power of God will overshadow her and rest upon her. Mary was going to conceive of this child because of the power of God. She was to conceive because God would act in a supernatural way in her physical body. It's at this point now that you might Press me. Yes, but how did God do it? What were the mechanisms He used in order to do this? How did the Holy Spirit come upon her? What did it look like? And so this is where I have to use all of my special theological training and tell you, I don't know. But that's the whole point. If I could tell you, then it would seem possible to us. If I could tell you, then it would no longer be miraculous. If we, would, if, we could, if we could explain it, then somehow we could think we could wrap our minds around it and we strip the supernatural away from the story. 
And God has put the supernatural there for us to say, wow. You marvel at the story? You marvel at what God does? You marvel that nobody can explain it. All I know is that there was an empty womb in Mary, and then by the power of God and the Holy Spirit, there was something there. This is what God had been doing. God had taken an old woman, Elizabeth, in her old age, she was Barren, she was beyond childbearing years. She had the reproach of being barren. If you were a woman back in those days and you had not had a child and you were barren, there was a shamefulness that was upon you. There was a reproach that was upon you. She was looked down upon because she had never had any children. It was this woman and to her husband that God granted a child. Gabriel tells Mary that Elizabeth conceived a son in her old age. Now God was going to do a work that he would also miraculously place a child in the womb of a virgin, one who had never known a man. In our minds, that would seem impossible, but look at what it says in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Or would you like to make some exceptions to that? Well, yeah, everything's possible with God, but no more buts, no more exceptions. No more us saying what God is able to do or not able to do. Back in the book of Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah are told that they're going to have a child in their old age, a child of promise. And when it's told to them, this is what the Lord says to them in Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too hard? Is anything too difficult for God? Was it too difficult for God to allow Elizabeth to conceive? Was it too difficult for God to miraculously cause Mary, a virgin, to conceive? And it seems like this is a constant reoccurring theme in the book of Luke because Jesus is with his disciples later in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus says to them, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to be saved. And then the disciples say, well, who can be saved? And what does Jesus say? What is impossible with man is possible with God. God is the determiner of what is possible, not you. If we have thought that Elizabeth's circumstances and Mary's circumstances were impossible, there is even a greater miracle at work through these. It's the miracle of Jesus Christ himself. 
it would seem impossible that the eternal Son of God would take on flesh and be born as a helpless baby. God came to earth in order to rescue mankind from their helpless condition. Have you ever stopped for a moment to think about what that means? That God left the glory, or that that Jesus left the glory of heaven? That he left perfect fellowship with God the Father, that he condescended to earth, that he humbled himself by becoming a servant, that he lived among us, he suffered like us, he died for us. This was no ordinary baby. This birth of this miraculous baby who would rescue people from their sins. Not only is this person miraculous, his mission is miraculous and it would seem impossible. We have seen many failures in the Bible before this. We have seen too many times the problem of man and the depths of their darkness and sin. It would seem impossible for man to be freed from this condition. But it's what Jesus Christ has done. He has freed us from our own sin. He has made a way out of sin, out of darkness, out of death, by his cross and resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, God makes the impossible possible. Number four this morning. We do not get to decide whether the story is true. We do not get to decide whether the story is true. God says it's true. I'm amazed by Mary's response to the angel at the end there in 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We are not told that there was a hesitation, a time of processing, a time of, well, let me pray about it and get back to you. (laughs) There was no need for that because she saw this announcement, this message for what it really was, a message from God himself. And she humbly received the message even when she might not have understood everything. Even when she didn't know the end of the story. She was going to have a child in a stable. She was going to have to travel away from the city where she lived to a little town in Bethlehem. But she accepts it as a servant of the Lord. She realizes that she is not her own, but that she is subject to the Lord as his servant. That's immense faith. What young woman or young man would have that kind of faith today? I am not my own. My life belongs to another. And so whatever he says, whatever he wants me to do, Wherever he wants me to go, I'm his servant, and I will do it. Maybe it's not just an immense faith that we pray our young women and young men have, but maybe it's the immense faith that we need 
God has a right over her life. And she willingly gives her life to be used for his plan and for his glory. And there is no decision that she has to make. Mary does not have to decide whether the story will be true or untrue. It's true because it comes from the true God. It's true because it comes from the trustworthy God. It comes from the faithful God. From the God who whatever he says will happen, happens. God is not just telling her the truth about what he would do. He is telling her the truth about the message of the story. And at the center of the story is the child that will be born. The son who was to be named Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. This is the one who is going to bring God's salvation to his people. The one who is going to save his people from their sins. And he would be great. Why? Why great? Great because of his status? Great because of his wealth? Great because of his physical appearance? Great because he is the son of the most high. He is the son of God. Great because he would come to do what he was supposed to do. Display God's rule and God's reign upon the earth and save and rescue mankind from death. He would be the king, the Messiah that they had been waiting for. The one who would reign forever and ever. Jesus would come as a king, but perhaps not the king that many were expecting. This is a king who would come to serve, not to be served. The king who would come to seek and save the lost. This king who would suffer at the hands of lawless men. A king who would sacrifice himself. What kind of king does that? What kind of king would sacrifice himself, lay down his own life so that he could save his people? But a king who would not just lay down his life, but a king who would rise again from the dead to reign forevermore victorious today. If you are here today and think that you must decide if the story that you are hearing is true or not, you're missing it. The story is true. And now you are called upon to receive and believe in the one who is at the center of this story. You are called to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Christ is offering forgiveness of your sins, of your wrongdoings, through His sacrifice and through the shedding of His blood. He is calling you to repent, turn from your sin, put your trust completely in Him so that you might be brought into the family of God, so that you might receive eternal life. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The unexpected Christmas story is the story of what we would think is impossible. And if God is doing what we think in our minds is impossible, 
it must elicit a response from us. It must do something at the very core of our being. It must so stir and move our hearts. Have we become so familiar with God doing the impossible that it's no big deal? My friends, that's when you treat Christmas like the world treats Christmas. The world says, it's another Christmas, no big deal. It will come, it will go, we will move on with our lives to the next season. That's when we miss the miraculousness of this story. That's when we miss that God is doing the impossible in this story. We must let the story grip us again, my friends. We must let it captivate our hearts and our minds. We must be willing to let the Christmas story move us again. Christian, we need to see that if we leave the Christmas story in the realm of impossible, we limit God. We say, God cannot do that. God cannot work in that way. There is no way, that God, no way that God could have done this. There must be some reasonable explanation. Why would we limit God this morning? Why would you limit God? Is it because you do not know His power? You do not know what God is able to do? We do not believe that God can do and has done far more than our little, puny, tiny minds could have ever imagined or dreamed. Why would I say that? Because when you know the power of God, you cannot accept what the world says about Christmas. You have to let the true, unexpected story of Christmas be known to the praise and to the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, let us not limit you and what you are able to do. Let us marvel at what you have done in this story. As those who recognize because you have done it, because you have orchestrated it, because you've done we thought could never happen. It's completely true. This is not a story that we could make up. And so, Lord, let us see that miraculous power and let us see that that power can even be seen today in our lives. You open our eyes when we were blind. You made us walk when we were lame. You made us alive when we were dead. May we respond to you, O Lord, as we marvel at your power. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.